You might have noticed that between the Acts reading and the Gospel reading, there's a very stark contrast going on. The very beginning of the Gospel reading, we read, we hear about what is happening to the disciples. It's on the evening of the first day of the week. In other words, it's Easter Day. It's the evening of Easter Day. And the women had been out to the tomb in the morning and come back with a story of an empty tomb. And it's evening and the disciples are cowering behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. In other words, they are so fearful that what happened to Jesus on Good Friday outside the city wall on a cross was going to happen to them. And so they barricaded themselves into the room, presumably where they had all partaken of the Last Supper with Jesus on that Thursday evening. Now look to what's happening in Acts of the Apostles. Peter and the apostles are brought one more time in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of the high priests, the Pharisees, and the elders of the church. They've already been thrown in jail twice. They've already been told, threatened with severe punishment. They will be flogged, and yet Christ, nothing will shut them up. What an incredible difference, such a stark contrast between abject fear and overwhelming courage in the face of physical hurt, suffering, and possibly death. It's a contrast between empire and kingdom. And it's what ultimately led to the kingdom's king being crucified on Good Friday. And that conflict between these two, fear and courage, continue to this day. The conflict between empire and kingdom continue to this day. So what is empire? Empire is what Rome sought. It's what the chief priests, the Sanhedrin, sought to uphold in their temple authority. They didn't want anything or anyone coming against, challenging their authority to say and do and tell the people what they should do as far as the temple was concerned. And because this temple was central in Israel worship, in Jewish worship, they had the ultimate authority. Empire seeks dominion by subjugation, by threats by violence, by fear-mongering. It's very jealous of its position and authority. And although those grasping empire leadership may say that they're doing so for the good of the people, we remember what the chief priests had said when Jesus was handed over. It's good that one person die on behalf of the whole nation. They didn't mean it in the prophetic way in which it was actually, it was actually came about that Jesus did die, not just for the nation, but for the world. 
but empire power lip service to the good of others it's actually about positional power and empire plays itself out in corporations sometimes in politics sometimes in whole countries sometimes in leaders and yes even in the church sometimes kingdom is what jesus inaugurated and he is its continuing benevolent king the firstborn of the dead the ruler of the kings of the earth the alpha and the omega the one who is and was and who is to come and kingdom's dominion comes through humility through suffering is maintained by self-giving love, forgiveness, justice, mercy, reconciliation, peace in the midst of turmoil. That is what kingdom is about. In contrast to the Lord, and it's what we pray every single time we pray the Lord's prayer. We are fervently asking God for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven that his will his way his character of self-giving self-sacrificial love will increase as kingdom increases at the same time as empire decreases so what's the catalyst what is it that changes the disciples from fearing empire to living courageous kingdom lives even the pharisees and the chief priests noticed their courage earlier on in the book of acts we read when they saw the courage of peter and john and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with jesus now of course it wasn't just being with jesus they'd been with jesus for 3 years but that had not created this kind of courage remember they were in a boat in a huge storm on the sea of galilee and they were absolutely panic struck jesus was with them he was asleep in the boat and they woke him up in a panic don't you care that we're drowning that was not courage that was fear they were with jesus they were with jesus when they saw all of the miraculous healings they were with jesus when they heard all of his amazing teaching they were with jesus when they saw the dead brought back to life when they saw him raise the son of the widow of nain when they saw him raise the daughter of the synagogue ruler when they saw him raise lazarus after 3 days dead in the tomb but those were resuscitated bodies those were bodies that had died but had been brought back to the pre-death life they would eventually die again being with jesus during his earthly life had not given them that kind of courage over the fear of the intimidation of empire what had 
if you go back and read through the first few chapters of Acts, it's absolutely stunning how many times risen, raised, resurrection are mentioned. They can't shut up about it. They just tell everybody about the risen Lord, that he was dead and he is alive. He was resurrected. In fact, the first time they're brought in front of the Sanhedrin, it's because they say, you keep talking about this resurrection of the dead. It's what happened behind the closed doors, which remained closed, that made all of the difference in the world. From fearing empire to lion-hearted kingdom courage. It's a risen Lord that makes the difference. It's knowing, experiencing this different way of being that's the same and yet different. Because what does he say immediately after he says, peace be with you? He says, See, touch my hands, the scars, my hands and my side. This is how you recognize me. This is what happened to my body, but these scars no longer have the power to bring suffering to me, but they're an integral part of that journey through life. See, this is not a resuscitated body. This is not one that died and then somehow or other the life came back into it to die again. This is a completely different first order kind of created body. And we've never seen it since. But it's what's promised to us at the end of the age. Because Jesus' resurrected body is the first fruits. So what do we know? Closed doors are no barrier to it, but it's not a spirit. He said, look, I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. I'm not an apparition. So when we talk about a spiritual body, it doesn't mean that it's an incorporeal body. It is a body that has substance. He says, touch me. He says to Thomas, put your fingers in the marks of the nails. Put your hand in my side. It's a body that can be touched, that speaks, that eats. But it's not constrained by our time-space continuum. It's completely different. We have no frame of reference except the witness of the apostles. And witness they did. They could not stop witnessing. This was what made all the difference. Because this body had not gone into death and then come back out again. This body had gone through death, conquered death, conquered sin, and was now a new different body and it's what's promised to all of us at the end of the age when he returns and it's that what gave the disciples such courage he keeps raised apostles he was raised he is raised and in revelation he was and and is to come, who is and who was and is to come, the Lord, the Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of all the kings of the earth. He is 
he continues. He continues in his resurrected body, which is a human body passed through death and now different. He ascended in that body to the right hand of God. The very Godhead itself now has within it a resurrected body. He knows what it is to be human. And so he's brought before the Sanhedrin and they tell him, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop talking about this Jesus and making us guilty. And he says, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We have to follow God and not man, he says. And Jesus comes that first evening and Thomas isn't there and he comes back again that evening and Thomas finally believes because he has seen Jesus and he says, you believe because you have been uh, seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Jesus has blessed you because you have believed the witness of the disciples and yet not seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. There are so many since the time of the disciples who have believed and whose faith in a resurrected, risen, living Lord have made all the difference between subjugated by empire and living freedom in kingdom life in the face of torture, physical pain, and even death. We remember names like Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, in World War II, Polycarp in the first centuries. So many people martyred for their faith who would not deny their God because he is alive and he is risen. And it makes all the sense to Good Friday. All of the sense in the world. And even today, we hear about more martyrs in the last couple of decades than in all of the first centuries. Do you know people are still in the Middle East, in Africa, being killed and martyred because they will not deny that Jesus is alive, that he is risen from the dead, and that he preaches a gospel of reconciliation and peace. I subscribe to a, uh, an organization called The Voice of the Martyrs. They send out on a regular basis uh, emails that um, I commit to pray. And it's praying for those people who are, are preaching the love of Christ um, into areas where they can be taken into custody and never seen again. Um, and, and there are prayers for... Um, 
children, adult children who have come to faith in in Muslim households who are then beaten by their parents or worse, given over um, or even worse, killed. And so there are a number of stories and there's a continual prayer and we've seen um, answers to that prayer. Um, This is a book, you'll maybe notice the front on the front here, this is the Uh, letter N. It was what was written in red, painted in red on the houses of Christians in Mosul and around that area when ISIS came in. And the homes of Christians were just taken over and they had to flee for their lives. And some of them lost their lives. It's I am N. And um, they, they also, this band, is, it says it has the N on it, and it says underneath, we will not let them serve alone. We will remember their stories and their lives who are doing what the early Christians did. I don't know that I'd have that courage. I stand up here before you and say, I don't know. I would hope that I would have that kind of courage. Wouldn't we all hope that we would have that kind of courage? We're not confronted with it like they are. There's a story about a man in this book called Boutros in Syria. And he felt very strongly that his calling was to share the love of Christ and to hand out Bibles. And so he did this. He did this day in and day out. And then one day, the 4 p.m. curfew came in his town and he wasn't home yet. And for two days... They couldn't find him anywhere. And his fellow Christians were in prayer, but they really believed that he had probably been taken by the secret police, tortured and cut into pieces as so many had been. But they were in prayer. And by the second, the evening of the second day, they were so exhausted from prayer um, that they couldn't even eat. They were just praying um, in that place, in the church. And a sudden noise at the door froze them in fear. It swung open and in walked Boutros. The congregation enveloped him in tear-stained hugs. Tired, unshaven and dirty, he told his story about being picked up by the secret police. Get out of here, an officer had told him, or we'll take you away and you will be gone. Boutros left that street, but not the area. He simply walked one street over and began visiting shop after shop to share Christ's good news. He knew that being salt and light for Jesus required action, not quitting when people opposed his plans. The police followed him, pulled a black bag over his head and whisked him away to a prison cell crowded with long-bearded Muslim extremists who had run afoul of the secret police. Why are you here, one asked. For sharing the love of Christ, he replied, which I'd like to share with you, and that is exactly what he did. The next day, the head of the secret police sat across from Boutros and angrily interrogated him. Boutros responded with love, not like-minded anger. I was just giving out Bibles, he said. The Bible teaches us to pray for our leaders and respect them. At these words, the officer calmed down. Boutros looked him in the eye and said, God is love, and he loves you. These words ended the interrogation. The officer scribbled down a phone number and slid it to Boutros. What's this? My personal cell phone number. 
Let me know if you have any more trouble with the secret police. Boutros thanked the man and stopped by the church to shower. After sharing his story, he headed home to his wife and child. The next day, he was back on the streets, proclaiming the gospel to all who would listen. No longer fear, no longer the dominion of empire, but courage, living in the kingdom. Revelation, it says we've been made a kingdom. We've been made a kingdom, priests to our God. That means that we are the ones who gather up the praises of the people and glorify God. But it's also we're the ones who go out and reveal God into the world to those who do not yet know him. We will probably never be called upon to show the kind of courage that the disciples, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Boutros, and so many others like him throughout the ages and today are willing to show, to proclaim Christ's kingdom ways in the face of the fear-mongering of empire. But we are daily confronted with a challenge for our allegiance Will we succumb to the power plays of empire? Or will we have the courage to live the kingdom life that Christ won for us by freeing us from sin by his blood? Our allegiance will be challenged by myriad decisions we make every day in our choice of supporting businesses or corporations that are known for their justice and mercy to their employees and to the environment of which we have been made stewards, will we choose those things? Will we choose those corporations? In fact, if we truly want God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, then we must choose not just lip service to the kingdom, but the proof of fruitful life in the kingdom. May we have the courage to daily choose kingdom life, life with the one true king who was and is and is to come, the risen and living Lord. Amen.